Coming up on this episode of the Mario Rosenstock podcast. And one woman told me this story. She said she remembers, this would have been the late 70s, say. She remembers her older sister coming home from school and going into the kitchen to the mum and her period had started. The poor girl, she's 12, she didn't know what it was. And all the mother did was she got one of those huge sanitary pads we used to have back then and she just gave it to the girl and she said, you know what to do, don't you? And the little girl just went, nodded and she went upstairs and she was gone for ages. So the mother went looking for her and she found her spread out on the parents' bed and she had the pad on her forehead. I know it might seem a bit mad nowadays, but there was a time in Ireland not so long ago where honest communication about personal issues or potentially controversial subjects was not our strong suit. As my special guest on this episode, comedian Anne Gildee says, nothing was said about anything. It was all a mystery. Little by little, we became more open and liberal about these things, however. Uh, But one of these issues that stayed very much buried under the carpet up till very recently was something that affects over 51% of us. 51% 51% of the population, the menopause. Anne Gildee wanted to do something about this, so she wrote a whole stand-up comedy show about it called How to Get the Menopause and Enjoy It. In our chat, she tells me about loads of stuff, all about that show. We also chat about loads more things, like being a founder member of the smash hit comedy trio, the Nulas, who burst onto the scene in the 1990s. Uh, and people hadn't really seen anything like them before in Ireland. Um, old Ireland versus modern Ireland, and why she thinks Joanne McNally is simply a legend. I got so depressed that I, do you know that level of depression where you can't move? And I was going, what the hell's going on? I'd suffered from depression before, but this was like unbelievable. And I went, there's no reason for this. It was totally menopause. Well, I remember debating Time Out in the comedy section in the early 90s, like, can women be sexy and funny? I mean, it was so sexist back then. I know. And uh, look at her. She owns it all. And he wrote that title on my whiteboard in my office, and he went, that is your show. And I was like, ugh, menopause. He sounds like he is confident in his own (laughs) space. (laughs) He just wrote it down and went, now we have sex. (laughs) And now is the reason we're not having sex. (laughs) (laughs) I don't... You get that. I have to... I I just didn't want to laugh too heartily. Just just two women laughing in the room now. And me, I've gone red for the first time in about six months. When I play Northern Ireland... My full chat with one of Ireland's original comedians... Um, coming up in just a couple of minutes' time. But first, Love Island is coming back onto our screens next Monday. Who are the dream contestants, though? Let's have a listen. It's the brand new season of Love Island. But who will be the 2023 contestants? Uh, Hi, I'm Leo. Um, I love taking my top off, uh, getting a shift at a nightclub. (laughs) I like a bit of gossip as well. Uh, and if any of that gossip gets out, <laughs> I think you all know who leaked it. Thanks. Who's contestant number two? Ha <laughs> ha! Hi, my name is Ryan. Uh, I'm free every Friday night. Ho <laughs> uh, ho! My ideal date, yeah. Well, it would have to be kind and curious and intriguing. Maybe into politics and books. A bit like JFK, actually. 
JFK would be my perfect age. <laughs> Contestant number three. My name is Boris, and I like to tussle my hair, tell a few fibberoonies. Who? Ipso facto, Toblerone. But I love a good bonk. Bonkity bonk, bonkity bonk, 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 bonkity bonk, bonkity bonk. Huzzah! And contestant number four. Hi there. Uh, this is 1502 of the Irish Times. And I'm delighted to be wearing nothing but a pair of Speedos. Join me on Love Island as I deconstruct the postmodern ersatz zeitgeist of the human condition. And hopefully get a tongue sandwich um, in passing as well. In the words of all the great philosophical Love Islanders before me, I've got the ick, I'm well and truly mugged off, shoot your shot, oi oi, crack on, oh, I've got a text. Thank you and good night. Can't wait to see uh, Fintan O'Toole in his Speedos. Ah, and by the way, Go Loud is giving you the chance to become the next big podcast sensation with a €3,000 cash prize and a podship worth €150,000. Whether it's full of laughs or full of drama, Go Loud wants to hear your podcast pitch and, if successful, launch it to an audience of millions. To learn more, go now to goloudnow.com slash podship and submit your idea. That's goloudnow.com slash podship and submit your idea. Entries close June 22nd. Get on it. So, let's meet my special guest this episode, Anne Gildee. Anne and I had never met before, but of course I'd met her brother, Kevin Kildee, who's a, such a well-known Irish comedian, and one of her partners in the Nulas, that's Sue Collins, with whom I uh, did a show called Soupy Norman many years back, um, which has kind of a little bit of a cult following out there, written by Barry Murphy and Mark Doherty. Some very honest conversation ensued between myself and Anne, especially about an issue that up until recently was so rarely talked about. Anyway... Enjoy. And you know what made me laugh, first of all, right? Um, it was a quote that you grew up in Tubbercurry, County Sligo. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, outside Tubbercurry. Not, not even in Tubbercurry. Not from the town. Huge difference down the country <laughs> between in the town and outside. I grew up on the bog, basically. Nothing was said about anything. It was a mystery. And this is Ireland. This is like Ireland. So nothing yeah. was said about anything. It was a mystery. And I kind of, I, la- I laughed when I heard that, that, that. I just actually laughed out loud because it was as if you were born into this world where everybody was conspiring against you not to tell you anything about anything. Oh, look, I, the amazing thing is, like, you know, you write on your own and you work it out and then to go out on stage and do it and have women literally doubles over laughing and nodding and going, yes, absolutely. That was me, my experience. There was, you know, we weren't told anything like mm. the stories of the stories I hear of people not having a clue. And mm. one woman told me this story. She said she remembers this would have been. The late 70s, say, she remembers her older sister coming home from school and going into the kitchen to the mum. And her period had started and she was gone, there's, there's blood. And she didn't, the poor girl, she's 12, she didn't know what it was. And all the mother did was she got one of those huge sanitary pads we used to have back then. And she just gave it to the girl and she said, you know what to do, don't you? And the little girl just went nodded and she went upstairs and she was gone for ages so the mother went looking for her and she found her spread out on the parents bed and she had the pad on her forehead (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> she dampened it under the coal tap and she put it. It's kind of Jane Austen. That is a true story. It's heartbreaking and hilarious at the same time. It is. It is. And we've only started the interview and you had me You had me yeah. already. Yeah. Because it reminds me of those days that all, all we had was listening to Gay Byrne on the radio. And there he was. <laughs> Hello there, folks. Welcome to the Late Late Show. Welcome to the, uh, you know, oh, gay, gay, in the mor- back, yeah. gay in the morning. And I have a letter. I have a letter in from a woman who said, gay, what's a period? And this is the kind of... Here's a sad thing. Like, yeah. oh, we had quite a, a, a troubled childhood. And my poor mum was quite isolated. And I remember her writing to Gay Byrne. And sure. how much it meant when he read out her letter. Yeah. And uh, uh, obviously she couched a bit in other terms and, you know, region and whatever. But it meant so much. And then loads of women wrote into him and he shared the letters. And I oh, I just admired him so much. The, 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 and the, yes, yeah. and gay, gay, of course, was loved by women. And 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 but quite, that's why he, and lo- yeah. and quite hated by a lot of men. Oh yeah, because, because he created. They, because again, this is I suppose why I talk about the mystery. There was no support for you know. My mum just ended up in a situation where she just couldn't get out of it and had no autonomy, and that was true of so many women at the time. And part of it was the culture, and part of it definitely was, and she still is. Uh, a, a very um, her Catholic faith is very very important to her but I think it made women very passive the Irish version of Catholicism and uh, and I, 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 that's why I'm very interested in that older generation I'm very interested in their experience mm. they're so interested I meet so many older women after the shows and their stories are incredible and we'll talk about the show as uh, yeah. in, later in the conversation so mm. A little bit about the, you know, almost the valley of the squinting windows and the background yeah. that you grew up in. And then we're just going to jump forward a little bit, because in the mm-hmm. in the 90s, you were a founder member of the Nulas. Mm-hmm. And the Nulas, who I would know, of course, were, were a big deal in, in, in kind of um, sketch comedy in Ireland. They mm-hmm. were kind of a little bit of a phenomenon at the time. Tell, tell my listeners, what were the Nulas? Um, what did they do? And actually, how funnily it relates to now, actually. Well, it, it was so serendipitous. I had been hacking. I started out in London. I moved to London in 1987 after I finished college in Dublin. And I thought, that's it with Ireland. I'm never going back. And then I wanted to be a performer. And I was just hacking around doing so many different things. I did everything in London. And I trained as an actress there and did all sorts of stuff. And then I came back to Ireland and I got a um, I had a part on a television show called the Jerry Ryan Tonight Show. It was a twice weekly live TV show. Remember it? And that, yeah. And so was, that was five months' work. And that was an amazing launch back into Ireland. And then I knew after doing that that my passion was live performance. There's nothing like being on, on stage in front of a live audience. Yeah. And I really wanted to keep going with that. And, oh, the, the stars just aligned. Me and Sue Collins and Tara Flynn met at a party in Drumcondra and we just started singing in the kitchen. And um, Sue and Tara said, let's get together and uh, and yeah. t- try something. And we quickly wrote like three songs that yeah. became uh, our new hits. Yeah. And uh, our first gig was supporting the Hairy Bowsies in Temple Bar. Yeah. And w- and we straight away we got the most brilliant review in Hot Press. Yeah. And what we were, we were three country 
country girls. We wore glasses yeah. and uh, short little skirts. And the whole thing was we were very, there was a real seriousness about uh, what we were doing. And it was it just caught the zeitgeist yeah. because it was at the, it was 1995 it was May 1995 and it was just at the beginning of the Celtic Tiger yeah. so Ireland was coming out of that whole yeah. thing I was describing yeah. earlier that kind of you know shadow of silence and yeah. women being quite suppressed yeah. and coming into this uh, moment of confidence. Yeah, it was the first so, inkling of the kind of social atmosphere we live in now. Exactly. But we were very much country girls, mm. do you know? Mm. And we were like the sequent wellies mm. getting a Concord somewhere, yeah. you know? Yeah. It was these three girls with glasses. <laughs> glasses. The glasses trope, I think, was... It was a, it was a great um, trademark. Yeah. But I think the trope of that was um, we're not going to, we're country girls so why mm. would we be getting contact lenses? Mm. You know, we need our glasses and yeah. we're, you know, yeah. it was the... And what kind of stuff were you singing about? Um, well, one of our, the first song we wrote was called Hey Manolo, Are We an Item? And it was about meeting someone uh on holiday, a Spanish guy, and then you know we fall in love. We're totally in love, and him and all—it's obviously a one-night stand. Yeah. And then the twist at the end is that he's actually from Ballyfermot, and he's been putting on an accent, and he's just—they meet him at the airport when he comes back, and they go, "Him and all." So the, so the songs used to almost tell a little bit of an arc. Oh, there was always an arc in the mm. song. That's what I loved mm. about uh, the newest songs. All of them were story stuff. Mm. One of them was about uh, a poor country girl who. Uh, I wrote this most of this song mm. um, I, I came up with the idea and then of course we always wrote together yeah. but the, the it was inspired by Dolly Parton's forgive me for laughing at her own stuff but it was inspired, inspired I do it all the time don't worry <laughs> it was inspired by Dolly Parton's song Coat Many Colours oh I love that uh, you, Joseph oh, and his Coat of Many Colours no not Joseph what? Dolly Parton's one has no the, no no, the, no, no, no you Coat know, of Many Colours that my mama yeah, gave yeah, to me yeah that one yeah yeah, yeah. And uh, she made it out of whatever it's she had. It's the story had. of Joseph's coat. Oh, yeah, yeah. Her mama tells her the story about Joseph's coat of many oh, colours. Oh, I didn't, I didn't get then, that bit. Yeah. I, and the then, bit of, and yeah. then the mama makes her the coat off from the rags in oh, her house. Oh, yeah, from the Ooh. rags. <laughs> So this story is about a girl who is going, um, she's going to a Debs and she has nothing to wear because they're so poor. <laughs> story of my life. And so, uh, so the mother decides... <laughs> <laughs> the shoemaker the outfit so what she does is she kills a cow and skins it and makes her okay. a, a dress out of leather and then um, shoes from chicken bones oh god <laughs> and then you know and, and then the woman is delighted with her outfit and then she goes along to the ball and it's in aid of animal rights ah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's uh, there's I, the arc again yeah and uh, so many of the Nula songs were like that just a build up and then just escalating all the time to yeah. the the classes and were they all just it. humorous or did you sing about any um, did you sing about any social issues in a kind of a humorous whether, humorous funny as Sue yeah. would call it monkey madness yeah keep the monkey madness yeah people don't want you to preach to them yeah I, I, I'm an entertainer. Yeah. I'm not here to preach to yeah. anybody, you know. Yeah. I, I remember a performer I met years and years ago um, saying to me, if you are doing preachy stuff or issues, you're just going to be preaching to the converted. You're just going to be talking to the people who agree with exactly, you. Exactly, yeah. And he said to me, well, I see my job is is to open people up. 
And that's the magic of live performance. Yeah. That you're opening people up and that you bring everybody together in, into this communal energy. And, and that's what you can do with comedy. It's beautiful, yeah. But the thing about the Nulas is, the Nulas are, which, um, uh, which is reminiscent of today is, and we were talking about it outside, mm. is that right now, uh, well, in the last 10 years, and especially maybe in the last five years, and particularly in Ireland in mm. regarding to this, this whole new area of um, comedy that is aimed at women, not just women comics, but comedy that is aimed in, at women, um, has burst onto the scene. So, for example, I had the Dirtbirds, mm. and I know that one of the members of the new Sue, list, Sue, who I worked with for years, yeah, yeah. And Sinead and, and Sue are, yeah. are the Dirtbirds. And I was delighted to have them on my podcast because they're doing so well going around the country. And they do sketches online all the time with comedy, which is kind of aimed at women, whether it's the, mm. the dry robes women, you know, going yeah. into the sea yeah, in yeah. Sandy Cove, you know, those kind of things, yeah. which is a peculiarly woman-y thing. I love their stuff. Exactly, yeah. And so you were saying then about Joanne and everything and all this sort of stuff. Oh, it's such an amazing moment. Mm. It's such an incredible moment uh, for women. I was just saying to you earlier, Mario, I really noticed the Nulas were off the road for a few years and we came back in 2011 and I just immediately noticed her audience in theatres was much older and mainly female. It would have been more audience our age or younger and we had a huge male gay following mm. in particular. And that had all fallen by the wayside and it was an older female audience yeah. and I went, wow, this audience is amazing. They love coming to the theatre. They want to laugh. They want to be entertained entertained um, uh, and I knew that that was the audience I wanted to reach out to when I did my um, own show and yes. I knew it was there Yes, absolutely uh, because I, I've seen the, 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 the Dirt Birds audience and yeah. Joanne's audience as well and even Darren Garrahy who is the, the comedian who does uh, The Laughs of Your Life Oh yeah, yeah She did it like a night at the Board Gosh recently yeah. and like it's incredible like there was 2,000 well, largely girls there mm. but they were all girls who would have been about 30 yeah. 29, 28, 29, 30, you know, fake tan everywhere. And, uh, you know, Joanne and, and and Vogue as well. Fake, apparently people who go to their gigs, the smell of fake tan is just everywhere. That 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 aroma. But isn't it brilliant? Yeah, it is Women brilliant. go out in gangs and that's what will fill a theatre. It's brilliant. Women will get together and I see it when I do Facebook book post saying mm. I'm doing a gig then it's women um, tagging other women saying should we go to this and women are great for doing that mm. and they're great They and they like to support other women it's too it's and it's wonderful because I don't know if men go out in gangs Not I've really. seen big gangs of men I'll tell you the da- Damien Dempsey Yes. His Christmas gigs yes. in Vicar Street are all guys, so good, big yeah. gangs of guys. But I don't think gangs love of guys Love yourself, go, love yourself. Today. Put your arms around <laughs> each other and love yourself, my brother. That love actually, yourself. And that's, that's the thing. Men don't love each other and themselves. They are depressed and they must reach out to each other. <laughs> And love yourself. And that's but, brilliant. But you know that love yourself today. Yeah. I, I found it very moving it going to moving. that concert and then all the, like a thousand men. Yeah. And me and my sister went I think it's one of the most moving things. Singing along to that song. No, but it's what a, it also a, is, yeah. is what I find extraordinary about Damien is that if you go to a Damien Dempsey gig, often you will see men in their T-shirts who kind of look uh, <gasps> macho yeah. or, or kind of lads and then they're breaking down crying yeah and you're going I love yeah. this I love it empathy sympathy um, authenticity authenticity I also um, saw this feelings do you know who I saw recently um, a guy his name is Richard Dawson and he's uh, kind of comes from the English folk 
tradition. And he began with a huge, long narrative a cappella song. All the, and I saw him in Whelan's, it was packed with guys. Mm. It's the kind of the authenticity and uh, it really gets to people's hearts. It is. And I think that, you know, a lot of people have talked about mental health in this country in the last 10 years. But one of the aspects about mental health that that people probably don't talk about is they, they talk about sharing your problems. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Which is actually slightly distinct from sharing your feelings. Because I think that Irish people in general, uh, even more so than some people in other countries, have a difficulty with sharing their feelings. Yeah. Uh, I don't even mean sharing their problems. I'm talking mm. about sharing their feelings, telling people, you know, how they're feeling about something. You know, and that, that could be joy as well. People don't Do even... you know what it is? I think it's a tradition of of kind of low self-esteem mm. to assert your space and yeah. say, you know, compared like to the Dutch, the, the clear boundaries, the no, I'm not happy with that. You might just still lived in Holland yeah. for 15 years. So I'm really off a with the Dutch approach, which yes. is completely different. Yes, I know. You know? And uh, you, you <laughs> could be in Holland, right? Yeah. And it's there like, OK, so I'm looking at you now and I'm thinking we should have sex together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, and I, first of all, I want to cry <laughs> on you. I want to cry in your box. And then afterwards, I want to shex on you. Mm, is, this okay, is this okay with you? Now, if the shex is okay with you, let us do it now. Because there's no point in not expressing our feelings. Imagine trying to get away with that in Ireland to go, would you go out of that tig? Oh, you're bringing me uh, back. Uh, to... Fuck out of a tig. You've just, I'm not. Oh, but, sorry, do you not want to have sex? I do want to have sex, but I'm not used to somebody asking me for it. Look. It'll happen after we have 10 pints of tequila. Yes, yeah. why do we have to have the tequila? If we want to be having the sex with each other, let's just do it. Mm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what you're saying is there's a kind of a, this kind of confidence of expressing the, yourself. Um, that you're allowed to, that it's part of the culture, that there's clear boundaries. That's the whole yes, yeah. no thing in Ireland. We'll have a cup of tea. No, you will, you will, you will. In, in Holland, it's like, we'll have a cup of tea. Is it clear? Yes or no? Or as you said, you know. or as you said, as you said, one of your quotes was, yeah. the worst thing you could ever hear in Ireland is... Jesus, you think you're great. Oh, yeah. That's the worst thing you could ever hear in Ireland. There's nothing. You could be a serial killer and go, yeah, but at least he didn't think he was great. Yeah. Right? Right? <laughs> now, right? A serial killer would be a serial killer would be better, right? But now the best thing you can say in Ireland is, you know, the best thing you can say in Ireland is you think you're great. That's the best thing because you're allowed to do that now. People are yeah. going, I'm great. Culturally, we are encouraged now to, let's say, con- to, to reward ourselves. Mm. You know, done well. Yeah. Going to reward myself. Um, I deserve a me day. Was uh, there ever a me day in 1982? <laughs> no, there's a you day, there's a them day, there's a he day. There's no me day. There was no be day either. Has that changed down the country? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. But anyway, listen, I, 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 I digress. So we got, we went from, you know, the, the, you were the, one of the first inklings of sort of that female sketch comedy in Ireland. And now, well, what yeah. it was, I mean, it was, it was the songs and they were, um, and that we were a band. And we were great, and uh, we were a super group, and mm-hmm. we were. It's particularly to begin with, we were very earnest. We really stayed in character, and we're yeah. really earnest about that. And then the Spice Girls came along. I would oh. remember a record company exec coming along to see us, and we would have only been in our late twenties. Mm. And he went, "Oh, you could call yourself Old Spice." Yeah. Oh, how Old cheek- Spice. Old Spice. Yeah. How cheeky. Yeah, cheeky. You know. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so so what's it? It's, so it was. It wasn't. It what it was was stand up in character and the songs in beautiful harmony. Yeah. Okay. So, and that's reflected nowadays because there is a space for women watching women 
yeah. do 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 their comedy, which is which is which is really fantastic. But I want to get on to you now about the the show that you're doing now. I'm really interested in this subject, believe it or not, because uh, I love talking about little barriers that have been broken down in Irish society. I, we mentioned Gay Byrne at the beginning. And mm. I remember, you know, Anne Lovett and Granard and all that oh, sort of stuff. God, and, yeah. and then we talked for a long, long... Kerry Babies. Kerry oh Babies. And God, we talked for a long, long time about abortion. And we yeah. talked a long, long time about uh, Catholicism. Mm. And we talked, a long, we talked for a while about divorce. And then we went into the 2000s and we began to talk about um, suicide, mental health, and the kind of the, 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 the taboo about suicide was kind of lifted a bit and mm. mental health has definitely been lifted mm. now. And we addressed, you know, LGBT issues mm. and discrimination mm. and stuff like that. And we were, you know, as uh, on par with the rest of the world, we're continuing to try and look at the gender, mm. Um, mm. you know, disparities and inequalities mm. and all that. And, mm. and, and long may that happen. But one of the things we don't talk about, which I, I, I spent quite a bit of time talking about, um, one of the two things we, we haven't talked about, uh, and that is problems that happen within families. Mm. We, we Ireland, we completely blank on that. So, mm. for example, all of us, many of us, be included, for example, mm. come from broken, mm. um, disfigured, mm. uh, very, very, very troubled backgrounds. Mm. And we never, ever talk about it because we hide it almost as we. Mm. Co- and you always think that other people's families are, are kind of Waltons and that they go home to the fireplace. And, the, and then you realise. No, and then you talk to people and, and you talk you to go, people. And so yeah. I've done a little bit of talking about that. Yeah. And I've talked to. And then the other matter is the matter that concerns you. And this is this whole area of menopause. Mm. Um, so your show um, Anne, is called How to Get the Menopause and Enjoy It. And Mario, it was so serendipitous that I chose that topic. It was actually my partner, Paul, um, who came came up with the title. (laughs) Uh, I was trying to write a show about midlife and this was during lockdown. And he wrote that title on my whiteboard in my office and he went, that is your show. That's what it should be. And I was like, Ugh, menopause. And then I started and this was before. He sounds like he is confident in his own (laughs) space. (laughs) He just wrote it down and went, now we have sex. There is the name of your show, Have Sex. And now is the reason we're not having sex. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was, but he, he's psychic. I think he's psychic because he just captured uh, it, the moment was coming. This was before Davina McCall had even done her documentary and it's become the word du jour. But I had the show ready to go to catch this wave because suddenly everybody was talking about it when things opened up. What happened for me was... Uh, I went, okay, I'll look into that. And I started reading about menopause. And I went, oh, my God, I know nothing about this. I know nothing about uh, what's going on in my body, how these hormonal changes are affecting it. A big shock for me was, uh, this is a couple of years ago, so I would have been 54, 55. I realised that actually it was treatment for breast cancer when I was 45 that plunged me into the menopause, going through chemotherapy. And... So chemotherapy uh, jump-started this. Yeah, we ju- yeah, it stops your period and, you know, given my age then, they didn't come back and... Uh, it, 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 because chemo kills everything. And then if you're older, that element is not going to regenerate. Mm. So I was just plunged into it. And, uh, oh, God, 
I obviously they didn't, they didn't mention it at the time because there's so much else going on. Um, but there were certain things that were happening that I was going, what is this? In particular, when I'd finished treatment and I was in a brilliant place in my life and I got through it and the prognosis was excellent, I just, I got so depressed that I, do you know that level of depression where you can't move? And I was going, what the hell's going on? And then, so I ended up on strong meds for a good while. Antidepressants. Uh, yeah, mm. because I thought, um, oh, I'd, I'd suffered from depression before, but this was like, uh, like unbelievable. Shit. And I went, there's no reason for this. It was totally menopause. It was totally to do with the, when your hormones are fluctuating like that, they can really affect your mental state. Yeah. And uh, you know when Joe Duffy had that moment where yes. women were phoning in, that was the piece for so many women. Yes. And you know the highest rate. He did it for rate, three days. The highest, oh we went on for longer I think, seven months. <laughs> no, but, <laughs> no, but um, the highest rate of suicide for women in Ireland, the peak is 51 years of age which yeah. is peak menopause age and I think it just hits women and they don't realise the mental component of what they are going through and if they knew that they could give it a place quite apart from do you want to take meds do you want to go in HRT to be able to give it a place and I wish I'd been able to give what I was going through a place and then I would have gone maybe I don't want to go the yes. meds through I really started tr- tr- I, treating let, it like a medical problem let's let's keep yeah. talking about this Anne I love this I love this but where you're going with this is, is really really interesting so this kind of suicide rate is almost at an age where it's, it strikes me that you're almost implying that it's at an age where they, they, they're just encountering menopause mm. almost and, and they don't know what's hit them yeah and so Neither of us are doctors, so that's mm. you know. So, oh yeah, always say. I always say. I say that. And I'm, of course, show. I'm not a doctor, but 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 mm. from from what we've read or from what we know or information mm. we can share, um, I mean, menopause, of course, is many many seems to be totally different experiences across the spectrum, right? Oh, there's so many from symptoms. nothing to everything. That's, well, that's what happened was when I started researching it, I just forgot about the show for about three months. Yeah. I was just reading stuff and particularly I found um, a, a Facebook group called the Irish Menopause run by a woman called Sally Ann Brady and I did some online seminars with her. She is amazing. She's somebody who suffered very badly with early menopause and couldn't find information anywhere did uh, so drilled into herself and created this amazing resource and I just found out so much from her and from her website and then reading other stuff and talking to people and there's so many symptoms insane stuff Mm. I remember I say this on the show it's probably this is totally TMI but at a certain point not for my podcast (laughs) in fact look at the camera when you say it this is my TikTok here's my TikTok moment (laughs) this is TMI but menopause when your hormones start really because your oestrogen falls and then it comes back it doesn't just fall in a straight trajectory it it can it fall goes off. up and down yeah. and up and down it can affect all sorts of things a big thing I had was terrible vertigo yes you know and uh, I, I talk about it in the show yeah. say like you know not knowing what it was that I wasted a fortune on scans and I say you know the way you go to the doctor and you spend 400 euro on a brain scan and then he comes out and he goes oh but he'll be happy to know it's all clear uh, most is going isn't that marvellous yeah. not great but a bit is going I just spent 400 euro on that scan will you have it <laughs> can you have a look there's enough can I put my knee through the yeah. machine actually yeah. um, I'd like something but yeah I want you know what, what I want some vanilla. Vanilla. So, some give us a for fucking, fucking heart attack or something <laughs> will you 
<laughs> fucking be... paying big money for this. Give us high cholesterol. At... <laughs> you know the way you want. Irish you want people. something. The fucker skint me. I came out of there with a clean bill of health. Gave my grand. But the thing is, just knowing that that can be a symptom of menopause, but also <laughs> I talk about this. I remember at a certain point, my body odour went really weird. Weird? Weird. Do you know what? Do you know Go what? Is, do you know smell? what? Is, cats wee. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I smell. It was so. Next week it, on the Mario Rosenstock <laughs> podcast, women that smell like cat piss. <laughs> cat piss. <laughs> Cat Piss, the podcast. It's an offshoot of the Mario Rosenstock podcast, now featuring over 50-year-old women who smell of felines. I didn't even have cats. I remember, you know. How did they get in? I was going, I'm living in a third floor apartment. I'd be going around going, is there there cats in here? Am I walking through cats' way every time I come into the flat? And it's gradually I went, Jesus Christ, am I going around like this? And I, and you know, I was all the time, I looked like a secret service agent all the time sniffing myself. Talking to your, talking to your mic. Am I okay? Yeah. And I'd be covered in... Uh, yeah. uh, and that, and then, these night sweats then are another thing. Yeah, but but the thing about the, the, the change in body odour is, is again, totally, it can be a symptom of your hormones going crazy. Of course. But you, it's... it's your body and then is you can completely go, okay, now mad. I give it a place and now I get the Febreze. <laughs> Do you know? Do the shake and back, put the freshness back. Do the shake and back and get the menopause. <laughs> Ah, it's all a laugh. It's, it's all, all a laugh. Come on, you have to laugh at it. You have to laugh. Is that a Manchester accent you have? Yeah, yeah. I, I was born I, I, in Gil, Manchester. Gil from Manchester. Uh, no, no. no. My, my, um, my dad's from Sligo. My mum's from Mayo, but they met in England, okay. and and I was born there. My mum moved back there. And then. it's so funny you can change immediately into rock solid Dublin and or core or sorry Dublin or country accent straight away. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, oh, when I'm talking to my cousins, it like it just really comes back. Like yeah, when I, I go that. over there, I'm like, oh, Aaron, yeah. hi, Aaron. You know, when just, I love Tracy. it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, Manchester's Ireland. You know, it it's is, just. Yeah. So is Liverpool. Yeah. Liverpool's accent is the Dublin accent upside down. Is it? Oh, is it? Hmm? Yeah. Because oh, it's so. Oh, dear. What are you talking about? So oh, yeah. it's kind of like as if the uh, Dublin accent was looking at itself in the mirror. Kind of, you know the way you read the word ambulance upside down there. Oh wow! Of course, that's right. And you know when so it's basically the same fucking place. The Newlands toured a lot in England, and our favourite place, Liverpool. Oh my god! Mm. There was one gig we did in a a big theatre there, and just the screams from the audience at the end. It was, I, it literally was like the roof raising Mm. up. Uh, humour. I love. Yeah, I went to see. Northern. I follow Liverpool Football Club, and I went to see right, Liverpool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I went to see Liverpool play over there. And I'm not joking with you, right? I hadn't had that many drinks. I mean, hardly. I mean, like three drinks or whatever. But I, it was the middle of the afternoon, and I was going around town with a friend. And we were kind of going into places, meeting Liverpool people, and I swear they could smell it off me. The idea that you were Irish and that they kind of, kind of liked you. The yeah. fucking sense of humour was just so <gasps> oh complimentary. Oh, the way they, the way oh, they, the same in Manchester. I yeah. love and the Manchester sense of humour is absolutely deprecating. Yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, like my cousins. If I ever put any song, a sketch, anything up, yeah. like prepared to have the rinsed. piss, you'd be ripped. rinsed. Yeah, 
so, which I love. So menopause. Yeah. Okay, so so you have done a show about the menopause called How to Get the Menopause and Enjoy It, a show which was named by a man and which features the word men in the title, of course, menopause, yeah. as of course we've, we've, we've often alluded to people mm. who, ironically about this word. So what's, what is the show? What does the show do? Is it you sitting on a chair talking? No, it's, uh, it's very much... Uh, um, <laughs> A multimedia experience. Well, that's no, not it's not. Is. It's me talking to the audience for. Yeah. Um, and I is did it like a TED talk. I no. Okay. It's stand up. It's, t- it's gag gag. Oh, gag 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 gag. So when you do appear on stage, it's me. It's, and but is it's it you with the Manchester accent? No, I do slip to kind of a country accent, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and then um, people meet me after and go, "Oh, you've kind of got an English accent." And then I'm doing some gigs in London, and probably when I go there, I'll be like. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I, I, Do I, men come to the show? Yes, men come to the show, and I are heard, they dragged along, or will they come to? No, the show? No, a couple of guys in Tala bought the tickets and brought their two wives yeah. along. Oh. And um, now, now, <laughs> now you know what I'm going through, going around like a fucking rooster all day, and you have no time, no fucking time for me. This is why you should be going in and see her, the one from Manchester. <laughs> now, can we just fucking? I'm not saying it's straight, just. Look at the show. <laughs> so I love another funny voices. Ver- it's another version. It's, it's another version it's of a, Irish a, people not being able to talk straight to each other. The men just yeah. bring the women to the show. Yeah, there you go. Um, but got, um, women come back. I've had women come back up to four times, bringing husbands, bringing yeah. sisters, yeah. Um, other people. And I think it's very dense with material because I had all that time Great. to write. Great. And uh, so, you know, I also pitched it around this concept. It was a thing Sally Ann Brady said in a seminar I attended on Zoom. She said, we can characterize menopause as reverse puberty. She said, think you're 11 or 12, your body starts producing all these hormones, now you're at the other end of it. So think, you know, yeah. uh, it's interesting. So I, I picture like that and I go back to our puberty in the 70s and 80s and um, particularly around period stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I have a whole bit about my period ending suddenly in Cork. <laughs> Um, I was down there doing a gig with the Newlers and I had started chemo and the oh. oncologist has said you might get one last period but that will be it really? it's over so it was, it was down in Cork and I do I tell this funny story but it is actually true I remember walking down Patrick Street Cork going into chemist to get um, my sanitary whatnots and put on your forehead <laughs> but I I ended up crying over the tampons and the pads. I uh, I just went, um, oh, the whole part of yes. my life. But Jesus, I could see over. that. I'm not a woman and I've never had a period and yeah. I could see that But in I my turned life. that into a big, a whole big funny yeah. piece yeah. about um, saying goodbye to all the sanitary products. Oh, and there's one gag I have at the end of that that I love that a woman called Pauline gave to me in Clontarf after the show. I was talking about moon cups and saying I never used a moon cup. It's a it's a sanitary device okay. that you can reuse. Okay. And she went, oh, don't talk to me about uh, moon cups. She said, my daughters have been murdered trying to get me to use moon cups because they're environmentally friendly. You just buy this moon cup thing. And so she said, I said to them, what the hell is a moon cup? And they described what a moon cup is to her. And she said, moon cup? I need the Sam Maguire cup. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You get that. The older lady and the... Um, of course. The um, downstairs and the volumes and whatever. I have to... <laughs> I, I just didn't want to laugh too heartily. Just, <laughs> just, 
just two women laughing right, in the room so now. And do, me, I've gone red for the first time. When, in about I, six when I play Northern I'm Ireland, blushing. Uh, what do you think? That when I play Northern Ireland, I say the FA Cup, but it doesn't. In my head, it doesn't because they don't start. Because the I'm Sam doing Maguire, Belfast on Saturday. Is that I'm shape? doing Belfast on Friday. Oh, where so are you playing? I'm playing the waterfront. Oh wow! Yeah, so like, and and it's it's. Oh, like, they're so up for a laugh. Oh, good. Thank you. Oh, I just played the Cathedral Arts Festival. Oh my god! Oh, good. Um, why did we not talk about the menopause for so long? So why why what's wrong with what's been a, what's been the barrier? For um, talking well, about the okay, I just think it, the last generation to me would be my mum's generation. My mum's in her eighties now, and that that generation was very shh and you know yes. discreet about stuff, and they were thought to be that way. And I talk to so many women my age who who go, oh, it makes sense what my mother was going through, mm. you know. I was hit my teenage years. She was going through a menopause. Our relationship went crazy. Or th- things began to kind of make sense. But women didn't know what it was. I mean, no, they didn't know that's all, the, all, the, all the... That's a slightly different point, though. I, I, I think that we've been reluctant, haven't we, to talk about menopause. Well, it's also ageing, you know. Um, I like I remember seeing a poster for that show, um, Women on the Verge of HRT, and I would have been in my thirties, and I remember going, oh, oh, oh yuck! <laughs> Who wants to see a show around that kind of stuff? Ugh, yeah. Yuck! Menopause. Uh, what is it? It's aging. I think um, you know. In the past, what did they do in medieval times? They just burnt women. You know, Jeez, as witches no. when they got older. Um, there is a whole thing of women in the past were a bit sidelined when they uh, um, uh, uh, lost their ability to procreate. Yeah, yeah. and age, it's kind of nature at the end of the day. You're I think over. The, the fundamental archetypal instinct informing that attitude is us as mammals. And, Correct. you know, uh, but I have an answer for you there. I, I, oh, I thought, I th- well, not an answer. I thought of something as I was answering the question, as I was yeah. asking the question. And yeah. that is perhaps one of the reasons apart from apart from the reasons we've been able to talk about menopause now or, or, or more recently is that more than ever now getting older isn't getting older. Yeah. So you can be of menopausal age and yet look 35 years of age and have 45 years ahead of you of fantastic life. Yeah. So in other words, menopause used to signify a period of a person's life where they were moving into old age. Now they aren't. Well, you know, amazing thing somebody was pointing out. You remember the Golden Girls? Yes. Well, the women in the Golden Girls, most of them were the same age as the women in Sex and the City. Correct. In that, in that, That's in that exactly way. it. And isn't it amazing to see? The only That's thing exactly about it. that whole piece is that it's important that the younger generation have their cultural space and their their space too in the mm, world. Mm, you know, mm, mm. I, 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 that's their issue. I know, but mm. uh, it's, it's great. Yeah. I, I was with Joanne. Um, yeah, I was uh, on the Late Late Show two weeks ago, and with Joanne and Vogue. Oh yeah, and I do some take the piss sketches out of Joanne and Vogue. Yeah, and they'd seen a couple of them, and I was kind of just slightly nervous about oh, meeting sure them. Oh sure, they and left. they were just fine, right? Yeah, yeah. But I overheard them in the next room. Yeah. They were in the next dressing room. Yeah. And I overheard them going, uh, and Joanne was going, "Here, Vogue, did you did you put up that video online? Did you?" And Vogue was there. Yeah, yeah, no, I posted it. Yeah, I posted the video online. Yeah, did you post it? Yeah, it got an awful lot of abuse, right? <laughs> and uh, Joanne goes, "Fuck the abuse! Those fuck all those incels!" <laughs> she just blew them out of the water. 
absolutely, this is the new thing now. No tolerance for this. This incels, for people who don't know what incels out there, it's a kind of an abbreviation for involuntary celibates. Mm. It's this idea that there are there are men in their be- in their mommy's basement just... Uh, and they wouldn't have been heard of before. Just Googling porn because they can't get a girlfriend. Yeah, but and, now they uh, join forces with social media yeah, and Twitter and And they and whatever, troll yeah. everybody. So yeah. Joanne just said, fuck all those incels. Just... Yeah, and this She's is, so sharp. She is. But I just love this... I love their balls, you know? And I think it's that probably the... Is it's the probably thing. the most ironic thing to say, but... I'm so inspired by Joanne. Because when I started out yeah. doing stand-up in... I started out in London in the late 80s. And, um, uh, you know, there was a whole thing about women can't talk. If you if you talked about periods or anything about female biology or whatever, um, that was seen as easy and kind of verboten. And, you know, men could talk till the cows came home about their cocks. Mm. But it was like... It's so amazing to see uh, Joanne just take all the female experience mm. and yeah, and here it is. Yeah, and she no, has the confidence to do it. Exactly. Whereas back then, I mean, I was in my early 20s. And yeah. so, you know, I understand. Certain, I you understand. Know. And I mean, I was, so, I was just chatting to her briefly and I said, listen, well done. Because uh, uh, I've been a follower, not a follower, a, a, a fan of her work. <laughs> You've been stalking her. Stalking, yeah, I've yeah. been a fan of her work yeah. since... You know, since she did all those yeah. routines about not about hating, n- never wanting to have a child. Yeah. And I thought this was a really interesting and novel way to do a comic yeah. idea. Just subverting that whole idea of womanhood, that mm. womanhood should involve necessarily wanting children. And she was there, fuck off. I haven't, I, haven't, I don't want kids at all. I found it very ballsy. Mm. And I also found her accent ballsy mm. because her accent is just pure and utter Kalini, South County, Dublin which you would be forgiven for pe- people thinking that fucking stuck up annoying bitch and she just goes for the accent she She's owns brilliant. the accent she owns her ideas and i said to her listen great well done and all the way go all the way and you you're only starting i said and she went fucking right 40s a new 20 <laughs> <laughs> but it's also, you know, she's going to be huge internationally and yeah. that accent reads differently there. I saw this thing she wrote where she was saying that she got some email that a producer was sending to somebody else and she wasn't supposed to get it. And they were saying she's got such an authentic working class Dublin Absolutely, accent. Absolutely, I heard that know. one. They thought she was yeah. a working class Irish. Yeah, they don't know. They don't know. And actually her voice, there's a, I like the tone of her voice and yeah. I like her accent and it's easy on the ear and yeah. it matches very well with the material and the yes. whole package works beautifully. And and it's also a perfect moment for it. Very and sarcastic. It's, it lends itself to sarcasm very well. Yeah, but she's such a great gag mm, writer. But the, the actual accent. She had yeah, a wonderful yeah. piece in her show about women. I talk about the invisibility you feel. <laughs> she had this brilliant thing in her show talking about the invisibility of women as they get old, and she's gone. That's where poltergeists come from. You know, yeah. guys go where. Where the, why are those, why are those plates? Why are those plates oh, flying around? There she is again. You know, can't can't see her. It's going into poltergeist. I thought, oh, that's genius. She is. She has a superb comedy mind. Yeah, yeah. I, with everything else, yeah, you know, yeah. and she's kind of aspirational. These, I remember. Reading, that's what I love. I love aspirational. I yeah, love that. And, I love the ambition uh, and the drive. There used to be a whole. I remember debating Time Out in the comedy section oh, in the early nineties. Like, can women be sexy and funny? I mean, it was. So so sexist yeah. back then. I know. You know, and uh, look at her. She owns it all. Mm. 
I, she's amazing. Mm. I, I, I just, I just mm. think she's great. Mm. I, I was standing beside her, and she's like two inches taller she's than me in the heels. Yeah, yeah. She looks fantastic. She's hilariously funny. Yeah. She's quick-witted. She's also ballsy, strong, and ambitious, and driven. Yeah. And, and she doesn't have to hide it. <laughs> it's no like. Oh, I'd come from. I grew up like in the sticks, and it would be very. I'd be almost. <laughs> turn of the last century in some of the aesthetic of the way I approach <laughs> yeah. the world and it's just wonderful yeah. to see that it's great yeah. okay well tell me when's your show on and where is it on and all this okay so um, I'm I'm on in uh, in Waterford this weekend Butcher that, and, and then I'm in the Mermaid Theatre in the middle of June well, and then my biggie this is my big Mermaid gig Theater, middle of June. I'm in the Mermaid Theatre in Bray on the 16th of June, June. Okay. but the biggie for me yes. um, is I uh, it's my first time playing Cork City and and uh, and the main theatre down there is the Everyman. Oh yes! So I'm in the Everyman. Fantastic! I love I love Great the theatre. You know I love playing there because you know every theatre is a ghost, but that is a ghost deluxe. Just in terms of the sense of all the performers who've yes. been there before, because Lauren and Hardy played oh, yes. that theatre. Right. It's just got this great tradition yes. of um, the variety and I Godville love the I love the Olympia myself. I love the because Olympia uh, too. there's a feeling. Do you know, what you know the ghost is in there. What? Rock oh, there and roll. Is, yeah. It goes to rock and roll in there. Yeah. Because you get the sense that there's a rock and roll vibe there. Yeah. So that when people go to see th- comedy there, mm. they still feel this, there's a rock and roll room. You can mm. make more noise. Yeah. Uh, whereas in the gaiety, people kind of But you know what I love about those theatres too? Um, they're, you know, sometimes, particularly in England, we would play mm. um, new theatres built in the 60s and they're just too far back and the seats are just too comfortable and laid back. Yes. What I love about those theatres, they're before amplification and the audience, even though you can have up to 1,200 people in there, they all feel so close to you. Yes. Don't the, those spaces feel so intimate? Oh yeah, like the Olympia is 1,200 people and you can see yeah. in the stalls, which is the, the second yeah. row, yeah. you can see people's eyes. Yeah. You can see into people's eyes yeah. and that they, they, they're very close to you. Yeah, do you remember Cabrina? Where you were sitting? I mean, you're very close to people in the. the and uh, I, and uh, Every Man is one of my favourite theatres. Mm. I just think it's a magic space. And you know, there's boxes on the stage. No, they never use them, but there's two boxes that are literally on oh, the stage. Nice. So, um, actually, must ask them are they putting people in there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe but, you uh, put they never in use them. Yeah. But, uh, um, do you talk to anybody during the show? Oh yeah, of oh, course. Yeah. Yeah, so. I, uh, you know, I, I use all the tropes that would have been used from the. Absolute decades mm. I've been doing this. And um, so I just as an intro, I uh, I have a thing where I come, out, I come out and I say, hello, ladies and gen- any gentlemen, and then have mm-hmm. a chat with the guys and say it's a very inclusive condition. You don't have to get it to <laughs> yeah. suffer from it. And hey, you're lucky there's another guy in because usually if there's just one guy in, yeah. we sacrifice him at the end of the night. <laughs> you know, I get that going. I get a few names. I've, yeah. I get about five or six names and I just... Refer back to people yeah. during the show, but you, then I like to kind of keep to my definitely. Um, yeah. Do you do you do yeah. any special preparation before the show? I have my whole. Um, I, I like doing thing. Yeah, I do a good warm up because I sing in the show, yeah. and then I have my costume and my makeup, and I have a whole way that I prepare. Mm. I find just to get into the into the mode. Yeah. Um, I I have a routine, yeah. and I really prepare really warm up and really make sure I'm in the zone and a big part of it for me is I wear I love wearing high shoes very few stand-ups wear high shoes and I we always wore really high shoes in the new list so the last bit for me is to put on my gold or silver high shoes and I'm bing yes you know that's it 
ready to go. Yeah. And then you're I on come your still, out. You're on your stilts. And then what I do at the beginning with, I come out to girls just want to have fun. And I do a whole routine, yeah. dancing, getting everybody clapping. And yeah. then at the end of that, just go. <sighs> <laughs> and then that's immediately a huge laugh because they just, yeah. That, that's my my partner directs the show for me and he yeah. came up, he went this is what you're going to do yeah. you come out you do this then you stop yeah. and you take yeah. ages and then you go just give me a minute well we always know who the understudy for that show is <laughs> he'll just put on a pair of high heels himself and a dress <laughs> that's what and he'll just do it Paul could come out and do it I'd love him to do the show well, I'm also doing another little and then I'm on tour um, I'm all over the place in the autumn and I, if anybody do you have UK listeners yes. I'm going to be in um, I do have UK listeners I'm going to be in the Exchange Theatre in Twickenham on the 21st of October they called up and asked for the show and so that's an interesting one mm. <laughs> and I'm also in the Irish Arts Centre in Hammersmith they're biggies Brilliant. and then I'm in Luxembourg at some stage too I have a few listeners so, in Iceland anything there? No I No okay They'll be disappointed I'd love to go to Iceland so um, But yeah But the big one for me Like I said Is Saturday the 8th of July In the Everyman, Everyman in, Cork. in Cork And that's my first time Down in Cork Alright And it's uh, And I'm just so delighted To talk to you um, Lovely 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 To interact with you And talk to you um, Yeah because we'd never met before No And I've met obviously Sue and Sinead and, and, and I'm actually doing a thing With them We're doing a new Material thing It's actually called Dirtbirds and Friends mm. And we're going to be In the Viking Theatre Oh from yeah uh, for 11 nights for Monday the 10th of July um, and when it's our new material night I, I'm doing a half an hour of mm. my new show mm. to open and then mm. they're trying out new material yeah, for the great. next show that's nice and they're they're doing really well they're, they are they're, uh, oh, they're doing they are and they've done really well by using social media as well yeah to get their word out there yeah. and listen I wish you really well I'm going to give it a good plug um, for these shows and thank you very much for coming in uh, I, I'm so chuffed that you asked me to be on your podcast because sometimes I I just feel um, I work under the radar <laughs> well not under my radar uh, yeah. we know well, thank you. you so thanks for picking me up on your um, radar thank you very much love <laughs> my thanks to Anne Gildee for uh, a really really enjoyable and open conversation and I love when that happens with somebody I've never met before. And um, I, I think we, 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 we engaged really well with each other. And thanks a million to Anne. Um, you can get in touch with me, of course, as well. Um, it's uh, Mario Rosenstock at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter as well, at GiftGrubMario. Thanks for all your emails that I get. I uh, read them all and I get back to 95% of them. If you've sent me an email recently, don't worry, I'm going to get back to you. Some of you have sent me really long ones and I really appreciate them. Okay, so until next time, same time, same place next week. Talk to you then.